seeing the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So what are we seeing here? Well, Paul is on is on a missionary journey, one of his missionary journeys, and he's in Asia, and God changed his plans. God sent him a vision and told him, hey, go across the Aegean Sea. There's a guy over there calling you to go to Macedonia to preach. So he's leaving the area that he's been in, that he's been journeying in, that, that the church has spread out in. He's going into a new realm here, okay? He's leaving Asia Minor, and he's going over into Macedonia, which was actually Europe. He's crossing over into Europe is what we're looking at. And let's look at Acts chapter 16, and let's look at verse 12. <clears throat> so we can get some context here. <clears throat> and it says, <clears throat> well, let's read 11 and 12. It says, Therefore, losing from Tros, we came with a straight course to Samtherica, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi. Okay, so he's traveling. He's in Europe now. It says, Which is the chief city that that part of Macedonia and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. So here he is. He made it to Macedonia, just as God called him to do, right? And we see that it's a, it's a chief city there in Macedonia. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and that's where God told him to go, okay? So here's Paul and Silas. They're on this journey, this missionary journey. They arrive in Philippi, the city that's in Macedonia. And let's look, same, same chapter, but let's look at verses 13 and 14. So they're in Macedonia where, where God told him to go. And it says, And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain, <clears throat> certain woman named Lida, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. There's a lot in these two verses. So let, let's break this down. So we see that here's, here's old Acts, uh, Paul. He's been called over here to, this, the, to Macedonia. And Paul and Silas, on the Sabbath, they went down to the river to pray. Okay? And it's kind of, you know, kind of a, not, it's not fate. It's because God led him there. But they went down to the river to pray on the Sabbath, okay? Now, it's the women, it says that there's a group of women down there by the river, okay? Well, the thing we've got to think about in this time frame, the church is emerging, okay? And people are spreading out. Jews are spreading out, you know? And, and in, a, in, a, in a community where there was not enough Jewish males to establish a synagogue, on the Sabbath, they would typically meet at a river and have service. Okay? So they didn't have a synagogue in this city. They were meeting at the river. Well, it just so happens God told Paul and Silas to go down to the river and pray. So what happened when they got down there? Well, <clears throat> when they got down there, we see that they began, they began preaching the word of God to the women of that city because the women are down there on the Sabbath. So it's church on the riverbanks is what's happening. Okay? And, and we learn a few things about this lady, Lida, okay? First, we learn that she's originally from Thyatira. And remember that city, because it's going to be important later. Thyatira, but she was living in Philippi. This is where Paul was. That's when she met Paul. And this is his second missionary journey, okay? Well, it tells us here that, that this lady, Lida, was a seller of purple dye. And, 
And, and if we look at history, Thyatira, that, that city, is known for being a hub, a center of trade for indigo dye, purple dye, okay? And, and Lida, she was probably in, in Philippi to sell her merchandise because that's what she sells. Here's the city that's known for it. Why not go there and sell your stuff? And, and archaeologists have even found among the ruins of Thyatira inscriptions that talk about a dyer's guild, okay? Not dyer like you're dying, a dye like this purple dye. There was actually a guild of people there, okay? And we think of the, the, these times, we think, oh, they were backwards, you know, and, and uh, they ran around with sticks and rocks. No, this is a very advanced culture, okay? And they had this guild, and there's no evidence in the Bible to prove this, okay? It's all archaeology. But that dye, that purple dye, was so rare because it's not a natural color, okay, that at that time, it took a, a lot of effort to collect the materials to make this dye, and it was a, a, a you know a, a process to make it. So it was a very expensive dye, and purple, we all know is a, the color of royalty, right? Okay. Well, guess what? This purple dye was expensive, and it was a commodity that the kings and the rulers of that day sought after. Kind of amazing, huh? God told us, you know, purples for royalty. Sure enough. Well, we also learned that this lady, Lida, she, she was a Jewish woman, but it says that she worshiped God. Okay? She worshiped God. Okay? So you think about it. You know, Jesus, Jesus you know, the Jews, I'm sorry, like I said, the Jews always met or often met on the riverside on the Sabbath if they didn't have a synagogue. And here comes Paul and Silas, and they're going to preach by the riverside. Got to preach into these women, right? Remember, God had told him in a vision to go to Macedonia. So here we are. Why did he go? Well, I think it was to meet this lady, Lydia. Because it says, when she heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay, she were already worshipped God, but she wasn't saved. How many people today go to church, maybe every Sunday, every Wednesday, and they worship God, but they're not saved? It's exactly what she was. She worshipped God, but here it says that her heart was ready. And it says, the Bible says right here that God opened her heart. What did he open her heart to? To what Paul was teaching. Okay, so her heart was, the seed was already there. She worshipped God. She knew about God. She'd probably been taught about God since, since birth because she was a Jew. But her heart was ready. And God sent Paul over there and said, here's, the, here's where I want you to plant. The seed's there, you water it. Okay, and what happened? Well, we're going to see because it says that her heart was opened and she listened. Okay, how many hearts today need to be opened and actually listen? Seriously. So let's look at Acts chapter 16. Let's look at verse 15 now. And it says, And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If, if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So what just happened? She heard the word of God. After she heard Paul preach, she heard the word of God. She got saved because what did she do immediately? She got baptized. Okay, what do we do? You hear the word of God, you believe, you get saved, you get baptized. Okay? Baptism doesn't save you, but it's the, it's the first sign of obedience to God in a public display saying that I've accepted him as my Savior. And Christ died and was rose again, and that's what we do. We baptize, we die under the water, and we rise again. Okay? It's exactly what she did. But here, here's another, another thing. Um, it says, you know, she was baptized and her whole household. So whoever was in her household, either she witnessed to them or they heard, but they got saved. So here's a whole household now that's changed, okay? 
And, and she became, this is kind of a cool th- caveat that I found, she became the first person in recorded history that was uh, saved on the continent of Europe. She was number one because Paul crossed over to Europe. Okay, so you think about it. She was probably a wealthy businesswoman because what she dealt in was expensive dyes. Okay, and it says she owned her own home there. Um, so we see after Lydia's conversion and baptism, what did she want to do? She insisted that Paul and his friends, whoever was on the missionary journey with him, come and stay at her home. She's supporting missionaries right there. Her heart is open. How much love does, does that heart have to have? Okay, and, and she said, I only want you to stay in my home if you judge me to be a true believer of the Lord. And apparently they did because they stayed with her. And it says the missionaries did and did and did indeed stay with her. And they stay with her at her home in Philippi. So while, while he's there in Philippi in her home, he now has a place to stay, him and, his, him and his missionary friends. And what are they doing? They're preaching and they're preaching and they're preaching, right? So let's see. Let's go to the same chapter, 16, Acts 16, but we're going to jump to verse 40. <clears throat> we're going to jump over a little bit, but we'll talk about it. And verse 40 says, And they went out of, the, out of the prison and entered in the house of Lydda. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. So what has happened now? So he's preaching in Philippi, right? Well, him and Silas get in trouble, don't they? We, we didn't read the story, but it's there. And they get arrested. And they get beaten. Well, first they get beaten. Then they get thrown in, in prison. That's kind of kind of bad. But they were miraculously released from prison. And where did they go the minute they got out of prison? They went back to Lida's house. That says a lot about her. Okay? Went back to her house. They comforted her. And then they moved on on their journey, right? And you think about it. They comforted them. Well, they'd just been beaten and put in prison, so they, you know, probably needed some food and some comfort, right? But she opened her house twice to Christians that we know of. Do Christians do that today? Do we open our house to other Christians? You know, when, even if when there's a fellowship, and we're talking about our Christmas fellowship, do we open our house and say, yeah, come to my house. I want all my Christian brothers and sisters here with me. You know, we go, oh, not my house, uh-uh. You know, are we open to missionaries? Would, could we, would we host a missionary in our house if they came? We need to think about those things, because she did. So let's go, remember, she was from the city of Thyatira, right? Let's go to Revelation chapter 2 and look at something. Something kind of remarkable here. Chapter 2, verse 18. And we're going to read verses 18 and 19. And the Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. He's talking to the church at Thyatira, and we see all the the attributes he gives that church, right? Well, where was she from? That's Lydda's home city, okay? Paul didn't visit the city. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about any of his missionary journeys taking him to Thyatira. And we have no record of anybody that went to the city of Thyatira as a missionary, right? Could it be that Lida went back home to her home city? We know she was a very strong Christian, and she's opened her home to others. And we know during this time we've talked about it, how homes were used to start churches. 
Okay, there's no biblical record of this, but maybe she brought the gospel to Thyatira, and that's the church that started that we hear about in Revelation. Because think about it. She had all those attributes. Look at the attributes again that this church is known for. Thy works, thy charity, faith, and patience, and to be known last, right? They served. They were a serving church. That sounds like her. She was serving. She opened her home to Paul and, and, and his missionary friends, and, and she cared for them after they got out of prison. Now, this isn't all biblical. This is just, you know, think about it. How did that church get there? Okay, but it sure sounds like that, that lady Lida, doesn't it? She's in service. So let's go to John chapter 6, verse 44. Let's think about this. Could she be in the one that started that church? Could be. Maybe she started having Bible studies in her home. What if we had Bible studies in our home, in our neighborhood? What would happen? Other than the neighbors would probably all think we're crazy. But let's go look at John chapter 6, verse 44. The Bible says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will rise him up at the last day. This verse right here, think about it. That's Lida. That's a great example. She's a person who worshiped God but was not yet saved. Okay? And what happened? God sent Paul. He sent his apostle to preach the word of God to her. And her heart was already prepared to accept him before she got there. We heard that. And what did God do? He called Lida to him. That's exactly what this verse is talking about. And then what happened is when soon as she got called, she got saved. And there was a change in her heart because she opened her house twice, we see. Okay? So we need to think about it. Are we like Lida? Or can we be like Lida? Now let's look on at some more people. Let's go to Acts chapter 17. <clears throat> Acts chapter 17, verse 22. Acts 17, in verse 22 and 23 is what we're going to read. The Bible says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For I, as I pass by and behold your devotions, I found an altar with an ins this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. Okay, now there's a big story there, but we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on some other people. But we see what is Paul doing. He's on his missionary journey. He went to Mars Hill, and he's in Greece. He's, he's preaching to the men of Athens. Okay, well, when he gets there, he tells them, y'all are too superstitious. And why is that? Because they had altars and gods to everything. You remember the men of Greece, the men of Athens, the Greeks were very... They were theologians. They were very thoughtful people. They sat around and thought about everything. They reasoned everything out, and they wrote books. And, you know, we get a lot of our, our, our laws and stuff from them because they were very thoughtful people. But when they were so thoughtful, they had gods everywhere. And then they thought, well, we don't have enough gods. There's another god that we don't know. So we're going to have an altar to him too, an unknown god among many numerous idolatrous shrines through this whole city. And Paul's like, y'all are superstitious. Basically, he's telling them, y'all are crazy. You don't know the real God, right? Well, <clears throat> you think about our world today. People are thinkers, aren't they? They try to reason everything out. They reason everything out so much that they reason God even out of existence. They don't even believe in a God anymore. And there's plenty of organizations out there that are so against God, and they all try to do it through intellect and through reasoning. 
If you don't believe me, just there's a website I, I've looked at, and, and it's all about reasoning God completely out. Okay? And that's exactly what these guys are doing. So here we see. So Acts chapter 17, let's look at verse 32 and 33. Same chapter. Let's jump down a little bit. So, and it said, and the Bible says, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. So what's happening here? We see that Paul, he's doing what in Athens? He's proclaiming Jesus Christ. He's telling them about the resurrection from the dead. These thinkers, these philosophers, right? They didn't believe him. They became very dismissive of him. And his sermon, his preaching was cut short, right? It says right there, and Paul departed from among them. So he's preaching and preaching and preaching, and they're trying to reason him away. They're like, how can you believe in a God you can't see? Really? A man died and rose from the dead? Really? They're reasoning him away, okay? So let's look at verse 34. It says, Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among them which was Dionysus the Argopite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. Wow, okay, so preaching worked. What do we see here? We see that some of the people that heard this gospel of Jesus Christ, they believed. And these were two people right here that the Bible took time to name. Okay? So Jesus, they believed in Jesus, and very few people of Athens believed in Christ because, because that city was so accepting of any religion or any god. And look at our world today. How many religions do we have? How many gods do we have? And how many of y'all seen the bumper sticker says coexist and has all kind of little crazy uh, different symbols for different religions because they want to be all-inclusive of every religion. It's exactly what these Greeks were, all-inclusive of every religion. Don't want to make anybody mad. We'll even include an unknown God that we don't even know just to cover our bases, right? It's exactly what they were doing. Well, some people didn't do that, okay? This group of people right here actually believed, and among them was a group of a, a woman named Demarius and a man named Di- Dionysus, and it, he says he was a, an an Argopite, okay? An Argopite was a court, a court of law there in Athens. So he's a judge. Well, he's one of the ones that believed, right? And all this happened because Paul went there. Paul got called there by God. And you think about it today. Like I said, our world is so inclusive and and want to include everybody and everything and nobody can hurt their feelings. And, oh, don't preach the gospel of Christ because you may hurt somebody's feelings because when you tell them they're going to die and go to hell. Let's just be all-inclusive. Let's just be wonderful. And that's exactly what was happening here. And they denied the gospel, just like this world does. But yet a few, a few believed. Okay? So let's look on. Let's look at, uh, next we're going to look at a husband and wife team, Priscilla and Aquila. So let's look at Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. So now we're seeing Paul's moving on because the people in Athens didn't really want to hear him. Let's read 1 through 3. And the Bible says... And after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corneth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. In verse 3, And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought. For their occupation they were tent makers. Okay, so there's a lot going on here. So remember, the church is growing, but the church is also under oppression during this time. 
And there's Christians that are still getting killed and beat up and thrown around, and people don't believe them, and they're looked down on. So the church is moving, but it's being moved because it's being oppressed. Well, Paul went to Athens. He preached. Some people believed, and then he's like, y'all aren't listening. I'm out of here. And he left, okay? Well, what do we see here? So Paul goes to, he leaves Athens. He travels to Corneth, right? And he, when he gets there, he meets a husband and wife named Priscilla and Aquila. And it says that they were Jews that came from Italy. And why did they move from Italy to Corneth? Because Claudius, not Claudia, Claudius was stomping on the church in Rome, and he told all the Jews, get out. Okay? Think about that. Something like that happened in what? The 1940s? Wasn't there a leader called Hitler that was stomping on the Jews and told them, get out? Well, he killed a bunch of them, and that's exactly the same thing that was happening here. So if you can correlate that, then we can think about the 1940s. We can think about World War II. We know what happened. That's exactly what was happening here. It was starting up, and they were killing Jews and stomping on the church, right? So we see that here he is. You know, he, he's in, in a corneth. He meets these two, and he stays with them in their house. It says because they were both tent makers. Paul was a tent maker. They were a tent maker. He was a missionary, but I'm sure he had to stop and make some money every once in a while. He had to keep going. If, if, if the world wasn't going to provide for him, he had to do something. So he stayed with them for a while. They made some tents, maybe sold them, and, or maybe he just stayed with them to help them. We don't know. But he says he stayed with them, and they had a bond because they were tent makers. They also had a bond because they both believed in God. And, and, and Paul may have already known of them because they were believers. We don't know that, okay? But Paul lived with them, and he worked with them. And what was he doing there? He was founding the church in Corneth. Okay? He was founding the Corinthian church. And it's exactly what he's doing there. And what did he do? God provided for him by finding a Christian home for him to stay in. Okay? So let's look at Acts chapter 18. Let's look at verses 18 and 19. And the Bible says, And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while. So he stayed there a while building this church. And then took his leave of the brethren and sailed to Syria. Uh, sorry, sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Chinseria, for he had a vow. In verse 19, And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So he's been there about a year and a half now, history says. And it says, Paul left for Ephesus. So, so he, he took a year and a half building the church in Corneth, right? He left for Ephesus, and there's a church there too, right? Well, he took Aquila and Priscilla with him. So they, they packed up and said, okay, let's go. Let, they went on a missionary journey. And Paul, he, he, he left con, continuing on his missionary journey, but he left them in Ephesus. So he took this Christian couple that opened their home to him. He went, he built a church in Corinth. He left Corinth. He went to Ephesus. He started to work there, but he left them there and moved on. Well, let's see what they did while they were there. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 19. And the Bible says, The churches of Asia salute you, Aquila and Priscilla, salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. So they're in Ephesus, and what did they do? They founded a church in their house. How are churches built? They start with a small group of people, true believers, okay? It's exactly what they did. And the, the church there in uh, 
Corinth got pretty big, didn't it? It's mentioned all in the Bible, right? Well, this is what they did. They founded a church in their house. Well, let's go to Acts, back to Acts chapter 18, and let's find out more about these this couple. They were serving God. They were traveling with Paul, and they, he left them there to found a church. So let's go to Acts chapter 18, verse 24 and 26, or through 26. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in, at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. So here comes this guy that knows, he knows some scripture, and he comes to Ephesus, right? This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So what are we seeing here? Well, we see here they are. They're in this city. They have a church in their home, right? Well, we see this preacher come. His name's Apollos. He came through Ephesus. He's preaching the word of God, but he only knows part of it. And look at this. He says he was mighty in the scriptures, but he only knew of the baptism of John. So he only knew what John was teaching. So John had spawned a preacher, and this was him. And he was spreading, he was doing his best. This man was doing his best, okay? And this means Apollos, he knew Christ had come and fulfilled John's prophecies, everything that John had taught. But he didn't know the significance of Christ's death. He didn't know the significance of the resurrection or the ministry of the indwelling Holy Spirit or the mystery of the church, which when it went out from not only Jews but to Gentiles only. He was after Jews only. It says he went in the synagogues, okay? Well, what did Aquila and Priscilla do? They heard him preaching, and they're like, oh, he needs, he needs to be doctored up a little bit. So they took him into their home, and they took him aside, and they explained to him things about Christianity. And what did they teach him? Well, both Aquila and Priscilla had an in-depth understanding of what? The doctrine that Paul was teaching. Remember, he met them. They traveled with him. He established churches with them. He left them to continue a church. They had some sound doctrine from Paul, okay? So this husband and wife team, what were they able to do? They were able to take this learnings of Paul, the true gospel of Jesus Christ, and they strengthened Apollos. They didn't, they didn't go against him. They said, well, you know this, but let me tell you more about the gospel. So they built him up in the faith, right? And then they sent him out, and he went out again. But now he's stronger because he has the whole story, right? So that's what they, we see there, this strong couple, strong faith, and, and they built up a, a Christian preacher and sent him out. So let's go to Romans chapter 16. Romans 16. <clears throat> in verses 3 through 4. And the Bible says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have... For my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. How would you like to have a pedigree like that? Wow, okay? So we see, here's the next time we hear about Aquila and Priscilla. And it's Paul speaking about them. He's telling us that they're Christians. They're strong Christians. They're a Christian couple. How would you like to have that in your marriage, right? being known as a Christian couple. And not only are you a Christian couple, it says they, they put their necks out for him. And during this time, Christians were still being killed and persecuted, yet they were building churches and they were having them in their home. Okay, And right there at the very end, it talks about that. It says, um, lost my place, hold on. 
It says right there, I give thanks. He gives, he's giving thanks for this Christian couple, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. What effect did they have? They had an effect on all the Gentile churches at that time. Okay? So let's go to 2 Timothy 4.19 and see, what the, see some more about this couple, this Christian couple that's building churches in their home. 2 Timothy 4.19. 2 Timothy 4.19. The Bible says, Salute Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Salute Priscilla and Aquila. This is the last time we hear about them, okay? But Paul, at this time, he was imprisoned in Rome, and he was writing to Timothy one last time. And Timothy was pastoring the church at Ephesus, and Aquila and Priscilla are there with him. And apparently they're still faithfully serving because he says salute them. Tell them hi, basically. They're still going, okay? So Aquila and Priscilla are an example of Christian hospitality because we're seeing when they open their home to Paul, right? And then they're using their house as a meeting place for churches. They build a church. And we're also impressed by their passion for Christ because what did they do when Apollos came along? They wanted to make sure he knew all the word, not just part of it, right? And they had a hunger for the word of God, right? And they had a desire to build faith in others. This couple served Christ together, okay? So, you know, we think about that. They risked their lives for Christ because Christians are being persecuted. Can we do that? Think about if a time comes in this world where the churches are persecuted and Christians are hunted down. Would you open, a, open your home to a, to a group of people? Or would you be too scared? Think about that. Let's move on. Let's go to Acts chapter 18. Look at another guy. Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, verse 1. Let's read that. It says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, right? So we saw this already. Paul was, was arriving in Corinth on his second missionary journey. Okay? So let's look at same chapter, 18, verses 4 through 6. It says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves, when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go to the Gentiles. What just happened? Well, we see that every Sabbath, Paul went to the synagogues and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jews. He preached and he preached and he preached and he preached and he preached. Some listened as he preached, and he was preaching hard, right? And it even says that, it says right there that, um, and he reads in the synagogues and, and, and says he was pressed by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is pushing him to preach to the Jews. He's preaching hard, right? Yet they opposed him, and they came up against him. So then he said, you know what? That's okay. I'm going to preach to the Gentiles too, because you're not listening. Wow. Okay. So let's look at verse 7, see what's happening here. It says, And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. So what are we seeing here? We're seeing as Paul is, is traveling around, there's Christians that are open their homes to him, aren't they? 
There's people that believe in God that are not saved yet that open their home to him. This is another guy right here. So we see he's on this journey. He stayed in the house of this man named Justice. And Justice was a Jew, and it says he was closely tied to the synagogue, okay? So he was really active in a synagogue. He was one that worshipped God as a Jew, okay? And he, he had to be one that was believing. Maybe he heard some other missionaries, or maybe he had heard Jesus preach somewhere. But he had to be a Christian because he supported Paul in his missionary journey, right? He opened his home and said, come on in. Stay in my home while you're here, okay? So let's look at verse 8. The Bible says, And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. So here's this guy, Justice. He's probably an elder in the synagogue. He has Paul in his home, and because he's allowed, Paul's allowed to stay here and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach, what happened? Because of his presence and his preaching in the synagogue, these are the things that happen. Well, this guy named Crispus, he's a chief ruler of the synagogue. He's a, he's a big dog in the synagogue, right? He got saved. And then his entire house got saved. And then it says many Corinthians got saved, all because justice opened his heart to Paul, right? And this may, be, have, been, may have been because, like I said, Paul needed a place to stay. Well, justice provided that. Justice, and we see that this guy, justice, he was a Christian. He followed Jesus Christ. He was supportive of missionaries. And thereby, he had a hand in spreading the word of God. It's just like when we support missionaries, we have a hand with every soul that they reach. We have a part of that. He had a part of Crispus. He had a part of his entire house getting saved and many Corinthians. And I'm sure Justice knew Crispus. They were both leaders in the synagogue. So he had a hand in that, right? How do we support missionaries today? We just throw a check out there? That's all we do. Can we do more? Maybe if the opportunity arises, pray to God and ask him to help you figure out how you could support missionaries better. You know, could you open your home to one? Man, can you imagine the cleaning you'd be doing before they got there, huh? Oh, Claudia would have me up there on the roof with a toothbrush cleaning the shingles. Well, let's this guy Crispus. Let's talk about him, okay? Because he's here. He's mentioned by name. So Acts chapter 18 and verse 8, it says, and we just read this, And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. So Crispus, right? We saw that he was a leader in the synagogue in Corinth, in, in, in Greece, right? He was a Jewish, Jewish leader. But after Paul's preaching, what happened? He became a believer in Christ. And Paul was able to stay there because the justice had his home open, right? Well, Paul shared that gospel with all the Corinthians because he says he was in the synagogue every Sabbath, preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching, right? So Crispus's conversion happened during Paul's second missionary journey, okay? And I'm sure Paul didn't just preach on the Sabbath. He probably went out and preached every day. Maybe he did some street preaching. We don't know. But the synagogue that Crispus was a leader of, think about it. That synagogue, they're Jewish, but they opened their doors to Paul to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ every Sabbath. They allowed him in every single Sabbath. And, and the apostle, he took this opportunity to do what? To testify that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. These are the Jews that crucified Jesus. Okay? But after an unspecified number of weeks, 
The unbelieving Jews in that synagogue opposed Paul, didn't they? We saw that. And they, they became kind of abusive to him, and, and, and they turned against him. And at that point, Paul shook out his clothes in protest. And what did he say to them? Your blood is on your own heads. Right? He said, I'm innocent of it. He's saying, I've preached. You refuse to listen. There's nothing else I can do for you. All you Jews aren't listening to me. And then what happened? He said, oh, okay, you don't want to listen to me? I'm going to preach to the Gentiles. Aren't you glad that he did that? Where would the Gentiles be today, huh? So Crispus and his entire household got saved because of Paul's preaching. And this is where Paul changed and started preaching to the Gentiles. Pretty important moment in time, right? Very important moment in time. And it's all because this guy Justice said, hey, come into my house, stay here. Stay in my house. I'll support you while you while you preach. Okay? We'll we'll clothe you. I mean we'll clothe you, we'll we'll house you, we'll feed you, and you all you gotta do, Paul, is preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach. And at that moment, households got saved, people got saved, and Gentiles decided, Oh, I'm gonna start preaching to them too, because you Jews ain't listening. Very important moment in time. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter one. First Corinthians chapter one. Let's look a little bit more. First Corinthians chapter one verse fourteen. First <clears throat> Corinthians chapter one verse fourteen, and here's old Paul again, right? What does he say? He says, "I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius." So here's Paul. He's kind of, kind of giving it to him right there, isn't he? All you Jews, you didn't listen you did he said i'm happy that i only baptized crispus and gaius crispus that was the leader of the synagogue right and we don't know much more than crispus except for right here and this is the last time that he's mentioned in the bible was it paul's letters to the church of corneth right but he says in that letter that he's happy that he baptized crispus he's one of the ones he said i'm glad i baptized you because all these other ones didn't listen. And I had to tell them, your blood's on your own hands. I'm walking away. But I got to baptize Crispus, right? And now if we look at history, this is not Bible. This is just man's history. If we look up Crispus, we see that history records him as a bishop of the uh, Cathedonian, Chalcedonian, I don't know. And, he, and it says that he was martyred for his faith later in life. So he went from being a leader in the synagogue, a Jew, got saved, and... History says that he was he was preaching somewhere because he got martyred for it, right? And the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox churches, they've actually canonized Crispus and declared him to be a saint. Okay, well, God can declare people to be saints, but we know that. So, and we know the Catholic Church, every time they find something Christian, they build right there. You know, even if they see, a, you know, uh, Mary in the bark of a tree, oh, there's going to be a temple there or a you know, shrine. But that's not. It just history says that he was a saint. So if they're claiming he's a saint, that means Crispus went on and preached, didn't he? He did something because he got fame for that, right? And, and Crispus, like I said, they made him a saint, okay, but we all know what? Everybody that follows Jesus Christ is a saint. That's what the Bible teaches us. But this man got changed because of justice, allowed Paul to stay in that house, Paul went in every, every Sabbath and was open 
that that Jewish synagogue opened their doors to him. And Crispus was the leader of that synagogue. So guess what? He allowed the doors to be open to another gospel to come in because he wasn't preaching Old Testament. He was preaching Jesus Christ. And he preached. Crispus got saved. Crispus got saved to the point that history tells us he went on and he made his mark and he got martyred for it. Okay? So that's the ones we're looking at today. And I just think about the ones we looked at, you know, Lida and Crispus and, and Justice and the other ones. They heard the word of God. They got saved. They opened their homes. Priscilla and Aquila even moved and had a home somewhere else. And they started churches. They supported missionaries. How much, how much could we do? How much could we do in our lives, guys? Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today to just thank you for this moment to open your word and just to learn about a few people that you decided to put their names in your Bible so we could study them and learn from them and know them. And Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for letting us be here today, Lord. And I ask you to continue to be with these people, Lord, that, that, that are here in your house, Lord. And I ask you to fill, our, fill up the next service, Lord, and just open your, open your world to, to the word of Jesus Christ, Lord. And just change our hearts and our minds, Lord. Let us not be oppressed and angry and, and upset or, or anything that would just keep us from keeping our mind on you today, Lord. And I ask you just to help us, Lord. Just, just draw us together as a family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.